The following program has been paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church. From the heart of the Pacific, in Honolulu, Hawaii. Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour of blessing. Good morning. I'm Head Pastor Blehan Jr. and I would like to thank you for joining us today. We would like to welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade telecast being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV, Channel 28 in Rica. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME, Channel 20, in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV, Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY, Channel 9 in El Centro, California, and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO, Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, parts of Nevada and Wyoming. From 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church, and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church, located at 1043 Middle Street, is the headquarters of the gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world, with the sign of the roof of the temple, Jesus Coming Soon, a landmark in Cali for 97 years, and our prayer tower, the first of its kind in Hawaii, dedicated exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada B. Lockbaum on August the 4th, 1923, and passed on to our late chief pastor, William M. Hahn Sr. in 1959, who continued the gospel to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, saints wherever you are, and the shut-ins, that is those of you in the hospitals and confidence and homes. As you do need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. To start off today's telecast, the church choir under the direction of Emilia Hahn will perform this beautiful song entitled, Sometimes He Whispers. They will be accompanied by Edith Matsuki on the piano and Iris Locke on the organ. When you have one of those days that draws you to your knees, 
Just remember that the Lord is only a prayer away. Prayer is the strength of the gospel that moves the mighty hand of God that moves the whole world. Let the Lord have His way in your daily life and listen to the still, small voice of the Lord and Savior. For with the Lord on our side, there is only victory ahead. Please join in and sing with the choir as you see the words flash on your television screen. The church band under the direction of yours truly will play the song entitled, Jesus is Calling. To our viewers out there, Jesus is knocking at the door to your heart. Won't you let him in and accept him as your personal Savior, Master, and Lord? For today is a day of salvation if you will but hear his voice.
Sherilyn Abing will give the Lord all the praise and glory, singing the spirit-inspiring song in the garden. Doing her background music will be Christy Hahn on the piano, Associate Pastor Marvin Abing on the bass, Trustee Associate Pastor Evan Sproul Sr. and Mason Asano Sr. on the guitars. We praise and thank the Lord that He is our same God yesterday and today and forever. The Lord is with us through the storms of life and through all the bountiful blessings of life. He is our protector and comforter that is always by our side. To God be the glory for the great things He has done. Thank you. 
The church choir will now perform the song titled Heaven Came Down. They will be accompanied by Terry Summers on the piano and Rose Pahukaro on the organ. Our walk with the Lord brings many tests, trials, and persecution, but we praise and thank the Lord that He is only a prayer way to turn all of our burdens and carries into glorious victories. As we put our faith, hope, and trust in Him, we can be amazed when heaven comes down and glory fills our soul.
we are blessed to have Trusty Associate Pass and Mitzbrook Senior performing solo on the guitar entitled Down From His Glory. He will be accompanied by George Shula on the piano. Our Lord and Savior came down from His glory to seek and to save that which was lost by dying on the cross of Calvary, shedding His blood so that we all may have the promise of eternal life. He rose from the dead, conquering death, hell, and the grave. He is our mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. of Judah will now blend their voices to their uplifting song entitled The Hallelujah Side. They will be accompanied by Christy Hahn on the piano. We lift up our hands to him with praise and thanksgiving and say hallelujah for another day. We sing with all our hearts to our mighty God and we glory in hallelujah's holy name. 
We are so thankful that we worship a true living God and that we let the hallelujahs flow freely from our tongues with honor and praise to the Lord. Yes, saints and friends, with Jesus walking by our side, we are always living on the hallelujah side. At this time, it is with great pleasure to dedicate this beautiful song to a dear sister in Christ, who is none other than Jamelin Nelson. Jesus is smiling down upon you today for all you do for him. We pray that you have a wonderful and blessed Sunday.
And praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda, and I would like to repeat our television time, stations, and locations in the continental United States for our viewing audience, especially if any of you plan to visit or reside in California, that these telecasts have now been viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV Channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC Channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV Channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV Channel 228 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME Channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY Channel 9 in El Centro, California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah and parts of Nevada and Wyoming from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about our gospel work and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website on JesusComingSoon.org. And now concerning our schedule of gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii, services are held at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. and prayer services are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. At our Kamaki Branch Church located at 1361 Pololo Avenue, gospel services are held on Sundays and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. The same schedule is observed by neighbor island branch churches as services are also conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castaneda Sr. in Kanakakai, Molokai, by Pastor Kenneth M. Alverio in Lahaina, Maui, by Pastor Walter I. Tinloy in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Leonard K. Y. Asano Sr. in Koloa, Kauai, by Pastor Hannibal Espera in Balongo, Pikawayan, and by Pastor Vesper Espera in President Rojas, Cotobato, Mindanao, Philippines. You are welcome to attend these services regardless of church affiliations. There are no collections. However, if you desire to voluntarily contribute to support these telecasts and the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donations to the address designated at the conclusion of the telecast. And now I'd like to return our program back to head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., who will bring forth his spirit-directed and spirit-inspired sermon. Pastor Billy? Thank you, Melvin. What a glorious day to read the Word of God with you as I present my sermon entitled, Be As Little Children, generated and inspired by God's Holy Spirit. Have you ever sought help to overcome some monumental problems and not found that help? Have you needed guidance and direction to do right in the eyes of God, that is, to live a life above sin? In these times of peril, have you wished for that special protection to sustain you, whether in or out of the house of God? Well, look no further. The answers to these questions are within your reach and are found in the gospel of the kingdom of God. Join us in these weekly telecasts, and I'm sure the solution will unfold before you. We find in the Bible that one becomes a true born-again Christian through the experience of conversion. Conversion is concerned with spiritual and moral change. It involves turning to someone. When man is converted, he turns from sin to Christ. 
Jesus was the world's greatest teacher and preacher. Wherever he went, the multitudes followed. They wanted to hear the great things he had to say, and he talked to them. He coached them and couched them in his language in fascinating fashion. He spoke in the kind of simplicity which everyone could understand. He talked about things that they were interested in. He talked about the sower planting the seed on the hillside. The farmers knew what he was talking about. In other words, he came down to their level. He talked about the prodigal son leaving home, and every father and mother knew what he was talking about. Nearly 2,000 years have gone by, and his teachings still hold for us the greatest truths ever entrusted to men. While Jesus was on the way to the cross, he was thinking of his suffering and death. But the disciples were not thinking of dying. They were thinking of worldly position and honors. Reading Matthew 6, 19, 21, and 31 to 33, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that he have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The disciples thought Jesus was going to set up a great kingdom and share the honors with them so that they asked him, who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Instead of rebuking them for their selfishness, he dealt graciously with them. He called a little child and set their child in the midst of them. As they looked upon the child, Jesus taught them a great lesson. Reading Matthew 18, 2-3, And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Instead of gaining high places in the kingdom, they were told that they would not even enter the kingdom unless they became as little children. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, 20, Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit, in malice, be ye children. But in understanding, men. In other words, as a child might fight with another child, but a few minutes later, they are friends again. They forgive and they forget. Would to God the grown-ups would act like little children instead of harboring a grudge in their hearts. This doesn't mean that the faith that you believe in is something that is childish and immature. But it does mean that to become a true born-again Christian, one must be childlike in faith, spirit, and sincerity. The haughty, proud, self-righteous man is never saved. Before one can be saved, all pride and self-righteousness must be put away, and he must become as humble as a little child. One day, Jesus was traveling upon the road to Jericho, and there was a little man who wanted to see him. The man climbed a sycamore tree. When Jesus came along, he instructed the man to come down. And like that man, we too must descend from the tree of pride. Zacchaeus came down joyfully. He stood and said unto the Lord, as you read in Luke 19, 8, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. After you have been converted as a little child, you should make all right 
any wrongs attributed to you before you were saved. Read in verses 9 to 10. And Jesus said unto him, This day salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zach is brought forth fruit, meat for repentance. The apostles of old gave repentance a significant place in their past messages. The prophets called upon the people to repent. John the Baptist cried out, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said, Except ye repent, all ye shall all likewise perish. Peter preached, Repent and be baptized. Paul said in Acts chapter 20, verse 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, Repentance toward God, not man, and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the message that should be preached today. Many are living in a sin-sick, devil-may-care world. They are striving for material things which bring only temporal and short-lived satisfaction. They forget that someday they must face God. Now, what is repentance? There are two Greek words for repentance. One word means little more than remorse. In Matthew 27.3, we read of Judas Iscariot, who was an example of this type of repentance. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. Though Judas repented, he did not undergo a change of mind or heart. The other Greek word for repentance means a change of one's whole attitude. In other words, a person has changed his mind. He no longer thinks about sin or himself as he did before. It is more than just being sorry that he has done wrong although that often comes first. Sometimes a saved person has to repent. Always an unsaved person has to repent before he can come to Jesus in true repentance. Repentance is godly sorrow for sin. It is a change of attitude towards God and sin. It is a turning away from sin and a turning to God. When a man truly repents of his sins, he leaves that sin and crosses over to take God's side against sin. Listen to Romans 3:23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It is God's law which we have broken. We speak about men sinning against themselves and against others. But in reality, our sin is directed primarily against God. And for this reason, sin is very evil. King David, a man after God's own heart, sinned against his fellow man. He took Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, and sent Uriah to his death in an effort to cover up that sin. A note I might add here is that the first cover-up actually took place in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve tried to cover their sin and nakedness with fig leaves. Going back to King David, we find that eventually he saw his sin in true light. What he did say? He cried out to God, as we read in Psalms 51.4, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Now there are certain requirements or expectations to be considered in repentance. First, there is a conviction of sin by the Holy Spirit. It is to viewers that consciousness might make you aware of sin, but it takes the Holy Spirit to convict you of sin. One's repentance is actualized when he is truly conscious that he has sinned against God and acknowledges this fact. However, a man can be convicted of sin and never repent of it. Yes, it is one thing for an alarm to go off and wake you up at 6 o'clock in the morning, 
but it's another matter when it comes to literally and physically getting out of bed. Thus, conviction is a spiritual clock which wakens a man. Repentance is doing something about it. There should also be sorrow for sin, as you read in 2 Corinthians 7.10, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Remember Lot's wife? She sorrowed for the world, looked back, and turned into a pillar of salt. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. That was the kind of sorrow the publican had. When he stood in the temple and cried out, let us read in Luke 18, 13 to 14, and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. To acknowledge that one is a sinner, and must be born again is good advice. Jesus counseled Nicodemus thusly, ye must be born again. O Nicodemus acknowledged that Jesus was the master, for he saw the wonderful miracles that Jesus did. Jesus touched the blind, and the blind saw. He touched the deaf, and the deaf heard. He touched the leper, and the leper was cleansed. He touched the dead, and the dead was brought back to life. Only Jesus himself could do these miracles. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin. He said prayers, gave tithes, made sacrifices, and led a very religious life. Yet he realized that all he possessed would not afford him entry into the kingdom of God. Thus, Jesus explained to him in John 3, 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now many say water and spirit are the same thing, and to be saved, baptism is not necessary. But what did Jesus say? Listen to Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. If water and spirit are the self-same thing, Jesus need not have made a statement about baptism. Baptism is not putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. To be born of water is to be baptized in water by immersion and in the name of Jesus Christ, according to Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit was promised as a free gift to all those who repented and were baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins, that they might receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues or in unknown language, which is one's passport to heaven. Why is the name of Jesus important, you ask? There is no salvation in any other name as we find in Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, tongues are a sign not for them who believe, but for them who believe not. The Apostle Paul spoke in tongues, more so than anyone else, and he tells us, forbid not to speak with tongues. Jesus told Nicodemus that the first birth is a fleshy birth, and the second birth is a spiritual birth. Nicodemus replied, how can these things be? And needless to say, many today are as ignorant too. The term born again 
is being misused presently by men in all stations of life. Many say, well, I am born again Christian. I am a member of a church. However, for the matter, nowhere in the Bible is it documented that a church or its minister can save you. The Word of God does not say join a church and be saved. It says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But I remind you, viewers, that it is up to you to do something about it, for faith without works is dead. We don't ask you to join the church. We ask you to obey God's commandments. When you are born of water and of the Spirit, you have been baptized into His body, the church. And by one Spirit are we all baptized into His body, the body of Christ. It's scattered all over the face of the world, and we are members of His body, flesh of His flesh and bone of His bones, of which He is still the head. Thus, conversion isn't simply saying, I'm going to join a church or I am going to be good. I own a piece of property and you want to decide what you want to buy it. You pay the price and the property is transferred from my ownership to you. It is a converted piece of property. As a sinner, I didn't belong to God until I confessed my sins and abandoned them. But Jesus ransomed me with his own blood. And when I entered into that transaction, I passed from death unto life. Let us remember that no two conversion experiences are exactly alike. In Bethsaida, several blind men were given their sight by the Lord, but only one in particular acknowledged the healing and expressed his gratitude. We read Mark 8, 22 to 25, And he came to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and he said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. Jesus restored the sight of other blind men, but the miracle is noted by the gradual way in which the man's sight was restored. This miracle has a very beautiful meaning behind it. We learn how our spiritual vision is restored. One, it is by the presence and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Two, the moment we come to Jesus and accept him as our Savior, we no longer are children of darkness, but children of light. Three, though we do not see everything clearly when we are first saved, we are no longer blind. As we read the Word of God and spend time in fellowship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit reveals things more clearly to us. Instead of seeing men as trees, we now see them in a different perspective. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4, 3 to 6. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. The lost, the unsaved, are blinded by Satan, and they cannot therefore see the glory of God, in whom the God of this world, that is referring to Satan, has blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves. You've never heard me preaching about myself or my family or good or good I am. But Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves are servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Another man receives sight by having clay put on his eyes. Read of the man born blind since birth. The disciples asked Jesus, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents? Jesus answered, as found in John 9, 3, Neither have this man sinned nor his parents, but the works of God should be manifest in him. And isn't that typical today in our society? When there is something wrong with someone in the family, people blame the parents or their relatives for that person's dilemma. Still, others say it is witchcraft or some kind of jinx which had been put upon him and is the reason for the sickness or affliction. 
But praise the Lord, everything he does has he meaning. As you read in verses 6 and 7, when he, that is Jesus, had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay out of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay, and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, washed, and came seeing. This blind man was rewarded because of obedience and faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. Once we were blind, but now we see, and after all, this is the most important matter. The main thing is for one to realize that to have a childlike faith, one must be converted. How does a man know what he has really been converted? Well, his desires and tastes have changed. The things that he once loved, he now despises. The things that he once despised, he now loves. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When we are born into this world, we have physical life, which lasts until we die. When we are truly born again of water and of the Spirit, we receive the promise of eternal life, which is the life of God. For when our bodies die at the end of our physical life, we who are saved go to heaven. Thus, when that time arrives, when the trump of God sounds, we will hear three words, come up hither, and we will do as the Lord says. However, to obtain life eternal, one must start here and now. Today is a day of salvation, if you will but hear His voice. There is no promise of tomorrow. Our lives are like a vapor of smoke, which will eventually vanish away. A child of God knows that he has been converted because God's Spirit witnesses within him. Let us read in Romans 8, 16, 17. The Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. He knows He has been converted because the Word of God says so. Jesus says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no way cast out. He that believeth on the Son hath life. He that believeth on the, the, is not condemned. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. You see, a converted person is a changed person. Has your life been changed since you met Jesus? Jesus warned those who offended the little one. As you read in Matthew 18, 6, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a milestone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the step of the sea. Some parents today are guilty of this crime. As living examples, they are hurting their children. In other words, the parents must set examples worthy in God's eyes for the young ones to follow. Yes, it is dangerous to offend one of God's children. We read in Matthew 18:10, Take heed that he despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven the angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Finally, the Lord gives us instructions as to the discipline to be exercised in the church. If a member sins, we are to do all that we can to win him back to the Lord. Suppose one member has trespassed against another, then the offended party must go and try to straighten out the matter. If the other man will not listen, then the agreed party should call upon one or two other brothers to help in the attempt to settle the matter. And during this time, the matter could be kept quiet. But if the man is still stubborn, Jesus tells in Matthew 18, 17, and if he shall neglect to hear, then tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. In another response to this matter, Jesus says in Matthew 18, 18, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye loose shall be loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This same promise was given to Peter. As the context clearly shows that this appears to refer to the church government that is a disciplining of members in the body of Christ. 
In other words, the scriptures maintain that when parties consisting of believers in Christ failed to settle differences among themselves, then it became the duty of the church to advise and resolve the situation. Thus, the final course of action is pronounced by the church. This is counted as correct in heaven. To ignore the church's counseling after all else has failed can be revealed as being disobedient to God's will. Jesus promised that if two of us who will love him shall agree about a thing and pray about it, it shall be done by our Father in heaven. The Christian spirit is to love our one's enemies as well as his friends. We want to be childlike in faith and be converted as little children. If you would like to know more about God's word, the church, and review these telecast presentations in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. And until our next telecast, this is your host, Head Pastor Blake Hanjun, expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come into your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hollow of his hands. The church band will conclude today's telecast with the spirited and lively song, Wait and Murmur Not.
The preceding program was paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church.